0: Uh, Welcome. Glad you're with us. My name is Paul Buckley, and I'm the lead pastor here. I have the privilege uh, to do most of the preaching uh, here, and and, um, it's it's a wonderful honor to bring God's Word each Sunday. Actually, I wasn't scheduled to preach today. Uh, Originally, we were going to have a um, relatively young man um, named Toby Gaynor. Uh, speak. Toby is a student right now at the Sovereign Grace Pastors College. He's there with his wife Kelly and his six children. Uh, He uh, left a a wonderful job in engineering to be trained as a pastor and is considering what to do, what the Lord would have him do and and he's interested in New England. It's just wonderful actually. We have a number of people, uh, potentially three, pastoral candidates coming to serve with us and what's going on in New England. Uh, so be praying. Uh, they weren't able to make it, though, because of the blizzard. I guess it was a blizzard. Was it officially a blizzard? Yes. Okay. And it's, Her- I mean, Blizzard Hercules, is that the name of it? Which is an appropriate name. So they, all their flights got canceled, and, and so I found out on Thursday that I was speaking, and, um, and I prayed and just really had a sense that the Lord wanted me to bring a particular message this morning. Um, so, uh, it's the new year, and I thought it would be appropriate, as I prayed, and, uh, to speak about kingdom finances, uh, to talk about uh, what the Bible teaches about finances. Now, there's a lot that the Bible teaches about finances. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, over, uh, money is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture. Isn't that amazing? 800 times. Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about it, the topic of heaven and hell combined. Um, It's really interesting to think about that. And you may think, well, why? why? Why talk about money? Well, the reason I believe that the Lord talks about money so much is because he's interested in our hearts. He's very interested in our hearts. Our hearts are the core of who we are. And he wants our hearts. He wants our lives. He wants us to belong to him. He wants us to live in relationship with him. And there's this connection this vital connection between our hearts and our wallets. Really, our finances are the most immediate and, I believe, accurate barometer of our hearts. Jesus says, we'll see, uh, for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And so God's intention in this, see, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our money, and in some ways we as a church don't need your money. Uh, we would be doing these things regardless. Uh, if I had to get a job and do this on the side, I would. But God wants your hearts. And a way to your hearts is through you all. That's just the reality. And so that's why he talks about it. So as you listen today, don't feel uh, that this is something that I, you know, I'm bringing in, in some appeal to kind of get a new program rolling or something like that. Uh, that's not our priority. My priority as a pastor is for you and your hearts. Really, that's God's priority. And, and I thought as the new year starts, it would be appropriate to talk about this and to really think about it, to think about this truth and to really look at our hearts, take some time to look at our hearts and look at our wallets and to live in light of this new life we have. See, the reality is, is when the Lord gets a hold of our hearts, when he transforms our hearts, he transforms our wallet. He transforms how we handle money. And so that's what he's after. And I want you to hear His, his call to you. Uh, so I'm going to be talking from this passage in Luke. It's a wonderful passage on this whole issue. And it gets deep into a lot of related things related to money. And, and you'll see as we go through it, I believe, that God's intention, again, is to get after our hearts. So let's pray and ask Him to do just that. Lord, we thank You. We thank You for Your grace in this new life that we have in Christ thank you for the change you bring to us in this forgiveness and new hope. And we thank you, Lord, how you call us to walk that out in so many ways, including our finances. And I ask you, Lord, as I talk about this today, I pray that we would hear your voice. I pray, Lord God, we would hear your call to live in a new way of living, different than how we might otherwise. Would you grant power as I explain and teach and preach your word? And ultimately, Lord, that we could hear from you. And through this be changed, and through this that you would be glorified, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. I'm reading from Luke chapter 12. I think it will be projected. It's starting in verse 13 and following through to verse 34. It starts, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For a life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And how much more value are you than the birds? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. God's word from Luke chapter 12. I just want to talk from this passage today, and I, I don't believe there's notes, uh, so you can just listen. encourage you perhaps afterwards to download it from online or get the CD and listen to it again and maybe take notes then, but you can just sit back and listen right now as we walk through this section of Scripture and this wonderful teaching here. Jesus here calls us to this principle, calls us to this truth that a man's Life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That life is more than material. It's more than clothing and money. And and I think we know that. I think we could all say, you know, we understand that to a degree. We, you know, life certainly is. It's more than about what you have. But we may not find the ability, just in that truth, to live differently. So we might find ourselves in this place where we, we know that but we're not really living it. And so Jesus takes that truth and builds through through parables and stories all these reasons, all these truths illustrated that will empower us and inform us so that we will live in light of that truth. That we will live in light of the truth that our lives are more than about our things. There's something greater. There's the kingdom of God. There's our relationship with God. There's our our participation in what He's doing. There's things far greater than what we have. Jesus wants to get our attention off of worrying about this stuff and on to the kingdom. And so He gives all these stories, all these truths in this passage. So we're just going to walk through these things and talk about them. First point is that the Father provides all things needed. The Father provides all things needed. And under this topic, Jesus talks about a number of things. First He says, consider the ravens. Consider this bird that is really the the probably the ugliest and most insignificant bird in ancient Israel. No slight against the football team uh, if you're a Ravens fan, and, um, but it is the the idea of why he's saying this. This is just a this is just a kind of throwaway bird. This is a, a bird that's just you know insignificant. It's ugly. It's one of those creatures that you wonder like, God, why did you make this thing? You know, I mean, like mosquitoes or ticks or moths. Just kind of like, what's that animal all about? We don't know. That's the idea, idea behind this, is that Jesus wants them to consider the ravens. This is a bird that just doesn't matter. It's, I don't know, maybe like a starling for us. I mean, we have crows, which are basically like ravens. But maybe a starling, just those little birds that Make all that noise and eat your bird seed when you don't want them to, right? That's the idea. Consider the ravens and, and consider the fact that this bird, though insignificant, though undesirable perhaps, has all that it needs. It has neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. They don't have any of these provisions that we, ex- we think are necessary. They don't have big fields to plow. They don't have a 9-to-5 job. They don't punch a clock. No shed. No barn. No bank account. No pantry. Nothing. And yet God cares for this seemingly insignificant bird. God's interest is focused on feeding this bird day by day. He takes care of these birds. He feeds them faithfully. He feeds them abundantly. And if he takes care of a bird like a raven, won't he take care of you? Aren't you more important to God? Aren't you more desirable to God as his people than a bird, than an ugly, unimportant bird? So if he takes care of these birds, will he not take care of you? Are you not much more important than birds. Jesus goes on and talks about anxiety. Because we think that somehow, by being anxious about these things, we accomplish something. We have this orientation towards anxiety. When we don't have what we think we need, we start to get anxious. And we live there, and we think it's fruitful somehow. And he points out in this next section, verses 25 and 26, just how silly anxiety is. We're anxious about things. He says, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Anxiety is silliness. You cannot help your situation by being anxious. So run from anxiety and run to these truths. He goes on and says, Consider the lilies. Consider the lilies, how they grow. Jesus is bringing their attention to these lilies. I think we have some slides of, of the flowers to put up. Um, these are the lilies that he's probably talking about. Okay? These are anemones, and they come in red. And then I think the next one, they come in purple. They come in white and yellow and everything else as well. Uh, and so Jesus is pointing out these lilies, these simple flowers. Uh, we call them anemones. He says, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Part of what he's pointing out is that these flowers are purple and red. And that was a rare color back then. Um, It was derived, and maybe still is, derived from seashells. And you could get variants, everything from red, red to deep purple and everything in between from these seashells. And it was a rare dye. It was so rare, uh, it, was, it cost the same in weight as silver did, basically. Um, so it was like a precious metal. That's how rare it was. And so the sort of people that were able to get clothing that had red or purple colors in it were people who had lots of money. Lots of money. So think like $1,000 shirts, $5,000 suits, you know, kind of tailored Giorgio Armani stuff, and that, that whole thing. The really expensive clothing. That's kind of what, what reds and purples were like back then. And so Solomon, basically the wisest man, an extraordinarily wealthy man, the best-dressed man, basically in ancient Israel, is the, is the comparison. And so Jesus says, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. These simple flowers have royal colors. They're gorgeous. They're, they're a gift from God. And they don't work at fashion stores. They don't have to go and get their clothes. They don't spend thousands on makeup. They don't have to read the different fashion magazines. They don't have to look for the latest sale at, at Macy's or Target or whatever. They, can, they, they are gifted by God to be glorious and royal. And so if God so clothes, mere flowers, really a a grass that's here today, gone tomorrow, that's the the whole point of saying tomorrow burned up in the oven because this stuff dries up and it's used for kindling. So it's it's just mere hay. If He cares about mere hay so much that He dresses it up in royal colors... Won't He care about you? Does He not care about you? Will He not take care of your needs? Will He not supply the clothing that you need? Jesus is getting at the character, the very character of God. And He's wanting them to understand what God is like. How gracious, how faithful, how generous God is. Because at the core, really, of this anxiety, at the core of this focus... On worrying about clothing and worrying about money is essentially a doubting of who God is. God, You are not going to take care of me, so I have to take care of myself. That's basically the thinking there. What's going to happen? If I don't have these things, if I don't hoard my money, if I don't make sure I get it all right, then, then I'm not going to be taken care of. And I'll, certainly God calls us to a godly stewardship. I'm not saying just be crazy and you know, do foolish things. But often the issue isn't godly stewardship for us. It's anxiety. It's worry. It's functional atheism with our finances and our clothing and our needs. And so Jesus is giving these stories one after another to pound home this key truth that God is faithful and gracious. He's faithful and gracious. And if He takes care of things like birds and flowers so extravagantly, then He will certainly take care of His people. The Father knows that we need these things. And He'll take care of us. And, and Jesus says, finishes off that section saying, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. We often are of such little faith. And there's times in my life where I struggle with this, this anxiety. I worry about not having things. I forget that God exists, and and I forget just how faithful He's been. And this passage is a wonderful passage to reflect on these things. And I think just to start to apply it to our lives by looking back at what He's done and remembering how faithful He has been. How He has supplied our needs. How He has met us. How He has done things that we didn't even expect. And we all have our stories, I know, of God's provision. If, if you've depended on the Lord, and, and even, even if you haven't, He's still gracious. He still supplies his, his blessings for those who know Him and those who don't. And we have our stories. And I just think at times I, I need to look back on my life and, and just think of how much God has provided for me, food—I've always had what I need to eat. I've always had clothes on my back, a roof over my head. I've—I've I've had uh, expensive education paid for. Cars, gifts, vacations, wonderful parties, delicious meals, toys, recreation—all these undeserved blessings. I—I—I just—I have. We have lots of stories, and I could just tell stories. One of them is—I—I um, I did a wedding yesterday. Uh, for those of you. You who know Lee and Kristen uh, are not Lee and Kristen Piero. We had a wonderful time at their wedding, and I wore um, I wore a navy blue suit. That was, you know, it's an evening wedding, the right thing. But that suit is a Pierre Cardin. Cardin? How do I say that? Cardin? Is that right? Sorry, my French isn't very good. Um, a suit. It's a beautiful suit. And you want to know how much I paid for that suit? Nothing. It was a gift from someone who didn't fit in it anymore, I guess. And they gave it to me. This beautiful suit. I don't know. How much would that suit cost? I don't know. A few hundred at least, I'm guessing. And it was just God's provision for me. I have a closet full of tweed coats and suits that are all gifts from God. God's faithful provision for me. And there's story after story of that. Are there not stories after stories for all of us? Don't we have our stories of His faithful provision? This is who He is. The Father is gracious and He's faithful. He provides our needs. That's the point Jesus is wanting to bring home to us. The next point I want to hit on is the Father not only provides what we need, not only provides food and clothing and shelter, and even extravagantly, is that the Father provides the kingdom. The Father provides the kingdom of God for us. Now, the kingdom of God is the reign of God. It's it's the reign of God through Christ. Christ is the King who's come. He's lived this righteous life, this perfect life. He fulfilled all righteousness. He obeyed the law. He fulfilled the law. Then He offered up Himself on the cross to pay for our sins. He took this worthy, righteous, perfect life and, and offered it up on the cross to pay for the sins of all who would trust in Him. So that in Him... There would be this amazing exchange that our sin, the, the things that we've done that are disobedient to God, the, the lawlessness, the lack of love for God, the lack of love for others, which, if we're honest, characterizes our lives all too much. The wages of sin is death. The the wages, the, the, the appropriate response and penalty for a lifestyle of, of sin is for God to turn His back and say, you want to go that way? Then go that way. That's not her who I am. I am good and holy and loving. And so the the wage of sin is death. Death is a separation from God, from the source of life. There's a penalty for that sin. And yet Christ came in this righteous life, offered up that life, so there'd be this amazing exchange for all who would come to Him in faith, where your sins are placed upon Him and paid for by His death, by His blood shed on the cross. And His righteous life is given to your credit that when God looks at you, He sees forgiveness for your sins and a righteous life for your substitute. And Jesus did this. He did this for His people. And it's a free gift for us to receive. It's an amazing gift. It brings forgiveness. It brings relationship with God. It brings peace with God that is everlasting. No matter how you feel today, the reality is if you put your faith in Him, this peace is for you. You are at peace with God. And Christ was raised on the third day by the Father in power of the Spirit. Raised and ascended and seated at the right hand of God. Because God said, you are my son. You have done this. I am pleased with you. Now you have the right to reign. And he's ruling right now. And his rule and reign right now is, is in the power of the gospel through his people. He's touching and changing lives. He's using His people to bring the truth of the Gospel and His presence and reign. And that's the kingdom. The kingdom is where He reigns. And so He's building the kingdom now. And it won't be complete till He returns. He'll return and bring completion. He'll bring renewal to the whole earth. And then the fullness of the kingdom will come. But the kingdom is here now. And there aren't two kingdoms. There's one kingdom. His kingdom. Jesus' kingdom. It's now, but it's not fulfilled yet. And God gives us this kingdom. God gives us this kingdom in Christ. We enter into His kingdom. We experience His kingdom. We experience this new life of love. Receiving His love. Loving Him. Loving others. Walking in His ways. Being used of Him to change other people's lives. To touch other lives. So Those are all kingdom aspects. And then one day... Soon when He returns, when we go to be with Him, we'll experience it. Then the fullness when He returns will be in His kingdom forever. We'll be in this experience of really eternal retirement, eternal bliss, eternal enjoyment of a sinless new creation. It'll be so glorious. And Jesus ties in, in this whole section, this truth. Not only is He gracious to take care of you in terms of clothing and food and shelter and these other things, but He's gracious to give the kingdom. So He says in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you see what He's doing here? He's saying the Father takes care of you in all these ways. He takes care of you completely. He gives you what you need materially. He understands those things. He gives you something even more important. He gives you the kingdom. It's His good pleasure. Think about that. It's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's His good pleasure. If you belong to Him, it has been on His mind from before time began to bless you in these ways, to give you the kingdom. It is His will. It's His good pleasure. He loves you. And He wants to give you the kingdom. He's granted you the kingdom. It's amazing. It's just, an, it's just an amazing truth. Isaiah 53 speaks about this. That it was His good will to give you the kingdom, and accordingly, it was His will to crush His Son for you. It says in Isaiah 53, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush Him. He has put Him to grief. When His soul, speaking of the Son, when His soul has made makes an offering, He shall see His offspring. He shall prolong His days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. Out of the anguish of His soul... He shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servants, make many to be accounted righteous. That's you. If you're a believer. And he shall bear their iniquities. And this is the Father's goodwill. This is his good pleasure. This is the Father's orientation to you. Should you receive him? Should you believe him? And for those that believe it, you should... Believe that. You should just be soaking that in. If you aren't yet a believer, there's an invitation to come and believe and receive this is all offered to you. Freely. You don't need to do anything. But simply turn. Simply change your mind about your life. Change your mind about your self-determination and sin and say, I don't want it anymore. It's not worth it. It's garbage. I turn from it and I put my faith in Christ and I receive all that He has. This is all for you. This is all yours. He is a gracious God. It's His good pleasure. It's His goodwill, and it's been His goodwill since before time began. I was reading this morning, actually, of a story of a of a grandmother who uh, loved to buy Christmas gifts ahead of time. And, I, and there's probably people here who do this. I don't. I buy my Christmas gifts like on December twenty second. We're out there with the crowds. But I know some of you are wise and very loving, and you buy early. And this grandmother uh, loved to buy gifts. And the the particular thing that she did with her family that I was reading about, she would buy things made out of Waterford crystal um, for her children and get something special for each one of them during the year and then put them in a closet until Christmas came. Well, she passed away that year, but she had already done all her shopping. And then the family came. Uh, and looked in the closet, and there were these gifts, these wonderful gifts. So they didn't have her present with them. They had her presence in those gifts. It was just such a blessing for them just to think of their mother's love. That's what the Father's like. Our Heavenly Father has thought of us before time and has made all these arrangements for us, that we might be forgiven, that we might belong to Him, that we might be provided for, that all things would work together for our good, that we would receive the kingdom, This is who He is. This is the truth Jesus is bringing to us in this section of Scripture. It's His good pleasure. It's who He is. He grants to us this forgiveness, this peace with God. He works all things for good. He takes care of us, and He will finish what He started. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will will glorify us one day just as He called us. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Romans 8.32 tells us. He will take care of us. He's taken taken care of our greatest need already. The Father is pleased to give us the kingdom. This leads to the final point today. In light of this, that the Father provides all we need, in light of the fact that the Father provides the kingdom, Jesus calls us then to use our finances for the kingdom of God and let God take care of us. Use our finances for the kingdom of God. Stop worrying about ourselves. Stop hoarding. Stop doubting. Stop stressing. Stop being focused on these minor priorities. They're important. They're not unimportant. They're just not as important. And they're never to be thought of apart from the character of God, who He is, and the big picture. Isn't that the problem? We get so tunnel vision. We get so focused on these little things, and we forget who God is. We forget what He's done. We forget that He's pleased to give us the kingdom. We forget that He takes care of us. But Jesus wants to remind us, so He uses all these stories, all these illustrations, all these truths to bring home this point so that we would be freed to give. He says in verse 31, following. instead, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Unlike the parable of the farmer who was going to build barns so he could find heaven on earth. And he died that night. He calls us to invest in barns that are in heaven, money bags in heaven. There's a reward when we give our money to the Lord. So he says, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And then this final truth, and I'll talk about this as well, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In light of these truths, we are to be freed from worry. Freed from pursuit of material things in and of themselves. To give to the kingdom. It is part of the new life of the believer to live this way. And it comes from grasping the character of God. And grasping the promises of God. That's the fuel. That's the truth. That's what Jesus is getting at. And when we get it, it changes us. Pastor Stanley Gale says, The responsibility of one who by the grace of God has become a citizen of heaven, and therefore an alien and sojourner in this world, is to bring all his being, energies, efforts, and desires to the untiring, uncompromising, unabated service of the King and his kingdom. This is the call of discipleship. And in light of all these things, how can we not give ourselves to the King and his kingdom? How can we not be freed from worry and invest in the things that will last forever? How how can we not take advantage of the opportunity? How can we not miss the wonderful promise of a reward and a heart for God via our giving and building the kingdom? Why invest in things like Twinkies and movie rentals and things like that when we can build an eternal legacy? That's what the Lord's calling us to do, and to do so freely and joyfully. Does that make sense? Does it make sense as we get these truths, there's a different motivation? It's not merely now that we know yeah, money, life is more than things. It's more than just knowing that truth. It's actually getting to the point where yeah, I get that. Uh, why? Of course. It's so much more, and God's going to take care of the things. And God's given me the kingdom and I can participate in the building of the kingdom. So, yes. I hope that's clear. I I hope that's compelling. I hope that's life-changing even. It is a wonderful invitation. And I want to get practical in this too. Because I, I want you to get the point. I want you to understand the truth. I want you to be impacted by that and have your heart stirred. But I don't want you to stop there. I want you to enjoy the benefit of living and taking steps of application and living it out. And, and so let me just give you one little illustration from my own life. Um, years ago, we had uh, some extra money as a family. And i got different stories to tell you, but this one is one I think will help. We had extra money. And, and from what I remember, we needed a car. This was early on. Uh, I think we only had one or two kids. And so we went and bought a really nice used car. Nothing wrong with doing that, by the way. But I don't know if we really needed to get that particular car. But we did. We spent the money. It was basically, I think, all our savings that we had uh, from Peg's job at the time. Um, and we got this really nice, uh, for us, Subaru, Subaru GL wagon. All the bells and whistles. 1987. It was a while ago that we bought it. So it was used, but not that old. It was just this beautiful car. It was the best car probably we ever had in terms of, Luxury and all that. And, um, it was a great car. But within a year and a half, it had died, actually. We, the, the engine ended up dying prematurely. We got the engine rebuilt. We spent another, like, 1000 the got the engine, or 2000 got the engine rebuilt, and then the engine wall collapsed after that. Um, yeah. And after, like, a year and a half, uh, we had to sell it for cash, like 200 bucks. And now I'm not trying to say it was like sinful for us to do that, but, but, but perhaps unwise, perhaps you know, money was burning a hole in my pocket. And it was just was here today, gone, gone tomorrow. It was gone. The car is gone. Now we need things like cars. But I contrast that with opportunities we've had to invest in kingdom things. And certainly buying a car can be a kingdom thing. But, but, but if I had maybe been wiser, if we had been wiser in that money, invested it elsewhere, the benefit. I think of our investment in... Uh, children, orphan children, through Compassion International over the years. And we sponsor someone right now. Uh, Rani Puri is her name. She's in India. Before her, we, we sponsored, uh, we can show that later. We sponsored uh, Manjula Martin was her name. And you remember Manjula Martin? Uh, we, we sponsored her through Compassion International. And it wasn't all that much money. And just gave monthly to her. And as a result of that, Manjula was taught and educated and, and, and given the Bible. And from what we know, she came to faith in Christ. And and right now, boy, Manjula must be about 25, 30 years old. Probably a mom in a Christian family raising her children in the Lord and part of a church in India. Think about that versus the Subaru. year and a half, it's gone. 200 bucks. And so maybe we could have done something different. Maybe we get a lesser car. with more faith that God would allow to have lasted 10 years. Maybe it was God teaching us a lesson and take that money and invest in another man, Julia Martin. And the returns that are there are fantastic by comparison. And that's the practical sort of thing Jesus is calling us to. To be freed up to invest our money in the things that matter most in kingdom related things. And there are so many ways to do this. There are so many opportunities. And what I really want to call you today to do in light of this truth is to take a step. To take a step in this area. To be practical. To to respond to God. And maybe you don't feel the full weight of this passage. But if you're getting it at all, take a step. And I believe God will confirm that. Because He teaches here at the end of the section, He says, For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. And so there's this is connection between our treasure, our wallet, and our hearts. And, and they, it goes both ways. Heart leads to wallet, but wallet leads to heart. When I was a young Christian, I'm so thankful for a teaching I received by a guy named Chuck Blakeman. He's still, I think, a, a ministering at this point. And Chuck Blakeman, I don't remember what he said, but he gave a message. And in that message, he said one thing. He said, if you are struggling with your heart for God, you probably need to give more. And when I first heard it, I thought, how... How audacious! You know, it just—it was wow. I can't believe you're saying that, and you're—you're kind of invading my wall. This is my wallet. But I listened to him, and I responded, and I started the practice of tithing at that point in my life, giving a tenth of what I received. And I did experience heart change in my life. I did experience a greater heart for God, and for Peg and for me, this has been a practice throughout our lives since our have been young believers, to give a tenth to the Lord. It's the principle of the tithe. It's throughout Scripture. It's a solid, strong principle. Now, we don't require it as a church because we believe it should be done freely. So we're not going to tell you, you must tithe. But the principle is so strong and the promise is so amazing that where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. So as you give to the Lord, He captures your heart. So... Are you struggling with your heart for God? And are you tithing? And perhaps if you're struggling in your heart for God and you're not tithing, part of the reason might be because you're not tithing. And so your step today might be to start tithing. Start giving 10%. And as this year starts out, that maybe is your step. And here's just just an experiment I offer to you. Take the next year. Take the next six months. Take the next three months and tithe. And watch what God does. And if he doesn't move in your heart, and he doesn't turn a blessing to you in some way, it doesn't necessarily mean he'll come back to material blessings. We don't teach that. The Bible does not guarantee that he'll, you know, he'll make you prosper in the whole prosperity gospel. But he does promise blessing. He does promise to touch our hearts. And he does often multiply the material blessings that we give away. So take the next three months or take the year and give and watch God work. And if he doesn't work, stop tithing. I can guarantee he's going to work in some way. So maybe for you, that's your step. That's your practical way to respond to these truths. I encourage you to do it. But maybe for some of you, you you already do tithe. Thank you. Thank you that you do that. It blesses us. And we get to partner together in what the Lord's doing. The Lord doesn't need your money. The mission's going to go on. But he invites us to participate and it's a privilege for all of us to participate together in the mission here in this church and beyond us as well to the broader mission for the broader body as well. And so if you already tithe, thank you. But maybe God wants you to take a step to go beyond the tithe than what we call an offering. And maybe there's some step you can take to regularly give in some way. Maybe to give beyond a way that you do right now. There are opportunities and we have the slides now to show Carter. Um, Things like Compassion International. If you want to... There we go. Um, you can go on their website. There's lots of kids being, waiting to be sponsored. And it's, what, $38 a month? And you provide uh, schooling. I think some cases, shelter. Biblical education, one of the advantages of Compassion International is they are very clear in bringing the Gospel and bringing the Bible to the kids. Some of the agencies do much good, but because of how they're set up, they're not allowed to do this. Compassion International makes it very much a part of what they get. They are being taught the Gospel. So $38 a month, you impact a life. They're educated through high school, given what they need, given given the truth. That's a wonderful opportunity. We also have um, Covenant Mercies through a sister church of ours. And they sponsor a, an orphanage in Uganda. And we have information, I believe, in the back or somewhere on that as well. So maybe you can sponsor a child through this. They offer the same sort of thing. And, and uh, I think a wonderful, wonderful program. There's other opportunities as well. There's this missionary work. We would love, as a church, just to grow more and more in what we give to missions. There's so much going on in the world so many good things. In, in Burma right now, we are, uh, we are planting churches as part of Sovereign Grace. There's a church planting center there, and they are reaching uh, some of the remote, even unchurched areas of Burma. And, uh, the, there's a gentleman, I actually probably shouldn't mention his name because it will be recorded, but there's a gentleman who's leading that, and in, in Burma's a relatively closed country, leading that and training pastors in planting. So you could participate in that and start to give perhaps to the Sovereign Grace Missions Fund and even to designate it for Burma. There's lots going on in the 1040 window. 1040 window is the, the, the area of the world between latitude 10 and 40 degrees. 10 and 40 degrees uh, where, where there's um, basically the gospel is not really known. And there's all these nations there that, that haven't heard the gospel. And there are lots of people out there. Uh, Wycliffe doing Bible translation, missionaries working, and we trust even within our family churches at some point, we're doing some things there in North Africa and elsewhere, Burma, but to do more and more. So there's all these opportunities to invest in these sort of things. And then locally, here's a way to give beyond the tithe. Some of our sponsorships. We have sponsorships set up for three people who are serving us. And this is a way for us to be able to them and help free them up uh, so that they can serve. And wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to fully sponsor all three so they could even be full-time to serve So, So Mike is part-time right now and serving um, wonderfully for peanuts. Um, Sean is being trained right now, and we hope when he comes back to be able to free him up and sponsor him to do the plant. And... Steve and Lauren um, are serving us with with Youth Fellowship, and we're looking to help supplement them. And they, 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 um, I mean, Steve's going to do it no matter what, but he's not working other jobs he could be working so he can serve us. So he's foregone finances to serve us, and our hope is to raise up enough money to support them as he goes through seminary, and maybe more. So there's a wonderful opportunity for us. And those, those are the sort of practical things I want to get at. I want us to, st- to take it to the level where we hear this truth from Jesus, and now we put our money where our mouth is, in a sense. We, we take a step of faith. We take a step of response, and we say, yes, Lord, I believe you are gracious. Yes, Lord, I believe you take care of the birds. You'll take care of me. I believe you took care of the flowers. You'll take care of me. I believe that you've given me the kingdom to live in and to serve. And therefore, I'm going to give myself to it, if the band could come up as we finish up. Also, as a church, another area uh, to give to is, is one, our benevolence fund. I think we have another slide for that. We have a fund set aside where the money goes to help families in need in our church and associated with people in our church. And this is a very active fund. We are actively, regularly helping people out. There's a whole guideline of how we do that, and I would love to let you know if you want to know how it works. Uh, There's accountability. There's a system. But it's there to help, help folks. And so maybe to give to the Benevolence Fund or our building. Wouldn't it be wonderful to pay down our mortgage, to take care of our mortgage, and to, to relieve ourselves of any burden there? But the other side of it is it means we have money freed up to do more ministry, to do more reaching people, to bring the gospel to this area, to go beyond. Maybe we can take that money from the mortgage and turn it into sponsoring a missionary overseas. I would love to do that. So I just want you to hear the call of the Lord in this passage. And I want you to think as we start our year, what step can I take? Now that's between you and the Lord. Let's just take a minute to pray. And say, Lord, what step do you want me to take? Just to say that to Him, listen. And then by faith, take that step, knowing that he's gracious, he's faithful, he's given you the kingdom, he's going to use you in it. So let's pray.